And some of the great hymns that we have were written in some of the deepest, darkest struggles that people had. And the man, um, Shriven is his last name that penned those words for what a friend we have in Jesus. And he um, literally was about to get married. And his wife died, I believe, on a skiing accident. His mother's sick, and he, there's this another girl years later that he was going to marry. And she ended up dying as well. And so I don't, and did he ever marry? I, I don't know for sure. But he wrote his mom these words in a letter to her. He was a missionary, really, and he didn't, he couldn't get to her as she was sick, and he penned these words. And so near his deathbed, someone actually found this in his house and asked him, oh, I just wrote this to my mom. And they took those words and pinned and took those words and put music to it. And that's where we got the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And sometimes we go to the Lord, but we don't leave our burdens with him. And sometimes the struggles and the fears that we have in life really could be helped a lot more if we would just go to the Lord with them. In all reality, that's what our message is this morning. First Peter chapter number 5. Yeah, sometimes I do plan the music around the sermon. It's amazing how that works sometimes. And then it doesn't always end up that way. But the title of my message this morning is Responding to First Peter Part 1. Now, in this letter, Peter has written many things to these Christians that are scattered abroad. And now he's tying up the letters concluding... And really, I believe it's telling us, so with what we've learned, this is how to respond, or here's some application to what we've learned. Now, a lot of people don't write many letters today, and, uh, you know, people text, they do emails and things, but letter writing is not what it used to be. But this is a pretty big letter that is written. And so, most of you might not even remember what you had for breakfast two hours ago. Or maybe it was like a half hour ago and you just raced into church. You can tell by your hair. No, that's, that's hair from the rain, right? That's what that is. But we don't remember a lot of things. So last service, this was not my idea with the message till the message started last service. But now it's my idea again because I did it last service. And so I kind of know where I'm going where I didn't last service. So that's where you get, if the first take isn't good, you get the second try of the message, Okay. So if I didn't like it last service after it got done, I wouldn't do it again, but it turned out okay. So we're going to do it. So this was not planned. This is kind of off the top of my head, and that's the problem. When I go off the top of my head, there's not a lot there to go with, but we'll make it work. And I know some of you are thinking that, so I just said it for you. If we're going to re- respond to what's been written, we need to remember what's been written. And I would love to say that as we've gone through this for four, five, six months. I don't even know how long it's been. I'd love to say you remember every bit of 1 Peter. I would love to say that, but I know you don't remember it all because I don't remember it all. And But you have notes, and I hope you keep those notes. But I want to go back to chapter 1 for a minute, and we're going to do a review. That's why I told you just because the notes look short doesn't mean the message isn't going to be long. Don't let the notes fool you, okay? And so if we look at verse number 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so he's writing to them. And I've mentioned in the past, as we got started on this series, that Nero is really the, the world leader at this time. I'll say that. He ran Rome. 
and things of that nature. He hated Christianity. And he also loved himself more than he loved anything else. And there are a lot, a lot of political leaders are that way, right? They love themselves more than they love anybody else. It's all about them. And so Nero wanted to build Rome. History tells us, legend tells us that Nero wanted to build Rome up for himself, but it was already built. So he hired people to burn down part of the city so he could rebuild it. In the process, he blamed Christians for the burning of the city, and the persecution arose even more for Christianity. Now, Nero's the type of guy that had in his gardens, he hanged Christians in his gardens, lit them on fire so his garden could be lit up at night. That's just a little bit of what this guy would do. He's quite the guy. And in the midst of all this, you think about, let's mention Peter for a minute. We're told that he was crucified upside down on a cross. Nero's the one who was in control of these things. Paul was beheaded. Nero was in control of things at this time in the world, as you would say. And so what Peter is doing, he's writing to Christians that, remember, they don't have the news like we do. They don't have Facebook. They can't post pictures that people don't want of themselves on Facebook and things like that. You can't do those things. But he's writing this letter to them so they can know what's headed their way. He reminds them of several things to begin with. If you look with me, and we're not going to go through every verse. We're going through a couple verses, and I'll talk through the rest just to remind you, like, oh yeah, and then we'll get into it. You can't know what to respond to if you don't remember what you're responding to. So we see in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And Peter reminds these folks the fact that we have a hope, a living hope. Not a hope we can't trust in, but a living hope because of Jesus Christ and the fact that he rose from the dead. We have a living hope. And we have an, a, an inheritance, it says. It's not corruptible. It won't fade away. And that inheritance, it's reserved in heaven for us. No one can mess with it. And this morning, we see in verse 5, we're kept by the power of God. You're not kept by your good deeds and what you do. We're kept by the power of God. Isn't that a blessing this morning? I, I think that's a blessing. I'm glad I'm kept this morning by the power of God. So in verse 6, it says, so there's a lot of great things to the Christian life. We have a living hope. This world doesn't have a hope like we do. We have an inheritance that cannot fade away. It can't be corrupted. It's reserved in heaven for us. We're kept not on our own power, but by the power of God. So we have a lot to rejoice in. Look at verse 6 there. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though for now, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. And we don't like all of that. But Peter says, we have a lot of reasons to rejoice. But right now, you might be going through a trial in your life or having a hard time or persecution coming your way. You still have a reason to rejoice in the midst of it. But that trial, the very next verse says that the trying of our faith it's more precious than gold that perisheth. God is doing a work, and God can use the trials of life to help us grow in him. And Peter reminds them, you have a lot to be thankful for. And in the midst of tough times that are headed your way, you still have a lot to be thankful for. But as you live in the world you live, he's telling them, you need to live a separated, you need to live a holy life because your Lord's holy. 
we should respond as Christians differently to the things that happen to us than how this world responds to it. Why? Because we've been born again, not of corruptible things, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And because of that, there are some things in our life that we need to clear out. Lay aside all malice. And there's, in chapter 2, verse number 1, says, you got to lay aside some things. And then as a newborn babe, you need to crave or desire God's word so you can grow to be what God wants you to be. And the problem is, for all Christians, is we have a lot of junk and stuff inside of us that doesn't, we crave the wrong things because we have stuff in us that doesn't help us crave good things. We need to clear out the sin and crave the Word of God so the Word of God can help us in our life and we can grow to be what God would have us be. And then we see, because, and as you grow to be what God wants you to become, you got to remember the fact that you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, and we should show forth, the, and I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, we should show forth the light of Jesus Christ in the dark world that we live. And how do we do that? Number one, by submitting to the authorities that are in this world. And I know people look and they're like, well, only good authority. That's not what the Bible says. We, Nero is in charge here. Paul and Peter both talk about submitting to those that are over us and those that are in authority. And I understand, we've talked about it, if, they, if our government authorities and those over us tell us to do something that goes against the Bible, we, do, we obey God rather than men. But if it's not a scriptural thing, obey those that are in authority over you. Submit to them. That's what the Bible teaches. And as we think on those things and we think deeper about, you know, we look in my thoughts uh, just the other day, we saw another officer was killed in Riverside County. That's two in the last two weeks. And sometimes I hear people say, well, that's what they get paid to do. I want you to understand something. They don't get paid to take a bullet. They do what they do to help protect us. And yes, there are some bad seeds there. I get that. In every, there's not, do you know there are bad pastors? Did you know that? There are a lot of bad ones. And none are perfect. Not any officer's perfect. But if you were just to know what goes on in our city at night that you have no clue about, and I know you think you have a clue because you have that ring doorbell, and you get all those comments about what people think is going on in the city, that, that's, that's fake news there, okay? Most people post things, but they don't know what's really going on. But they do what they do to protect, and in all reality, they're ministers of God for us, and we need, we need to pray for them. And, you know, you th- just think about this. People get so mad about how they respond to certain situations. They do not know, walking up to a car, what that person has in that car trying to help do what's right. I, get, I do some ride-alongs and things, and when they go up to a car for the first time, you just, you just I take a deep breath, because I'm like, who knows what they're going to respond to right here. So pray for our officers, pray for all those that are in authority. Over, and how should we biblically respond? We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. So submit to those that are in authority over us. Not only should you do that, but when you go to work, you should submit and be a good worker. 
You should have a good marriage and follow God's plan for marriage. And then you need to love everybody and have compassion on all people and show people the love of Jesus Christ. That's what we see throughout here. And then we see the fact that even when, and there's going to be times that we suffer, make sure you're not suffering because you're doing bad, but suffer because you're doing what's right. And there's going to be suffering that comes and rejoice in the fact that you can be a partaker of Christ's suffering. And you've got to understand as we think about it, don't think it's strange. Don't think, don't think that you shouldn't have hard times and trials in life. Because we all do. If you live, that's what life is full of troubles. That's what life is. Don't think it's strange that you're going through something. Because if someone else isn't going through something, they will go through something at some point. It's life. And then we see how pastors should be in church and what God wants them to do. And we see how we should live with those things. And since we've learned all those things, how do we respond to all that we've learned over the past six months or so? We look at verse number six. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care, anxieties, troubles upon him, for he careth for you. You notice it's part one. That means there's a part two coming, which will be later on. Well, this morning I want to take the next few minutes and I want to preach on responding to what we've learned and how to live it. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning, guide us. We love you. We need you. Thank you for being our God. I pray that you would guide us and help us take this passage, learn from it today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number one, as we dive in, we see how do we respond to what we've learned? Number one, you've got to humble yourself before the Lord. We need to humble ourselves before God. You see, biblical humbleness means to be free from pride and arrogancy. We must comprehend that in our flesh dwells no good thing. And this is the problem. When you think you got pride figured out, I had someone come to me a while back, Pastor, I am good with pride. I have no problems with pride now. And for 25, 30 minutes, all they did was talk about themselves. We have opposite ends of pride. Do you know that? Sometimes we think that pride is just thinking too much of ourselves. And you look in our world, there are a lot of people that think really highly of themselves. And we see those things. But then you have the opposite end of the spectrum where you think, not, you think less of yourself and you put yourself down and you're constantly putting yourself down. The problem with pride is the whole picture. It's thinking about you. It doesn't matter if you're exalting yourself or beating yourself up, you're still thinking about you. That's what pride is, right? And this is the problem. Pride is just a natural thing for us. Think back to the Garden of Eden. Hey, Eve, if you eat that fruit, you could be like God. Ooh, I could be like God. Pride. Satan, Lucifer. Why did he fall? I'm going to be greater than God. Pride has always been a problem. Get this. Let's see how this one goes. How many of you have ever fought with somebody? Would you just raise your hand? And verbally, physically, whatever, just you, you've had a confrontation. 
Only by pride cometh contention. I watched my team fall apart last night. And a couple of the players on the team, their pride got the best of them. Thinking they knew better than what the ref, and they did know better than the ref, but the ref's in charge. So just play, do what you're supposed to do. Don't slam your helmet on the field and give them extra points. Pride. We all, how could someone do that to me? Pride. We all deal with it. This is something, it's not natural for you and I to be humble. And when we think we've got pride figured out, there's pride all over again. It's one of those things we are going to struggle with. But the Bible tells us here, how do we respond? First of all, you have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. If you are going to be what God wants you to be, you got to exalt him and humble yourself. Humility is an essential in the Christian life. It is a defining mark of a true believer. You say, well, why? Who, what are we called? We're called Christians, right? And the ultimate example of humility would be Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And Philippians 2, verse number 8 tells us, it says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God in the flesh humbled himself. He listened to death. He died a humiliating death on the cross. He humbled himself. And we as believers, we say we're Christ-like, but we don't know what it means to humble ourselves. And a true defining mark of a Christian is humility. We lack humility today. And if we're going to get this, and as we go through the trials of life, and as we see how to live during those times, it begins by humbling ourselves before God. I like and how you think about that. Isn't that how you got saved? You humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God. God, I know I'm not good enough to get to heaven. I realize my righteousness, it's like filthy rags. I'm trusting in you. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. That's what salvation is, right? You humbled yourself before God and admitted you were wrong in what you believed and you turned to Jesus Christ. Repentance. Starts out, how do we respond? We respond, number one, by humbling ourselves. And then number two, number two, we need to trust in the Lord's timing. Now look at that. Let's go back to that verse. It says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. The word exalt means to lift up. That he may lift you up. But everyone forgets the last three words. In due time. Let's go back to that verse in Philippians chapter number 2. In verse number 8. Go back before that one. It talks about how Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death of the cross. Look at what it says. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted. God lifted. Do you see how Jesus was humble? And then the Lord exalts him. And given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me ask you, has that happened yet? No, it hasn't happened yet. 
Everyone that lives in this life, have they confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord? Are they bow? Every knee's going to bow? Has every knee bowed to Jesus yet? So this is in God's timing. God said it will happen, but it's his timing. We look at life. I don't think this is fair in my life. Well, there's pride, first of all, because you don't think. You're saying, what we say when we don't think something is fair with God, we're saying is, God, I know better than you do. Which is saying, I'm more important than you are. I know best. You don't. That's what it says. And we have to humble ourselves. And when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, it says he may exalt you in due time. I've heard many Christians come to me and they're like, Pastor, I've humbled myself. Why isn't God lifting me up? Because you and I don't get to pick when he lifts us up. It's in due time. But if you're trusting him and humble, you'll trust him with it. How many times do I hear Christians say, Lord, just take this from me. I need you to take this. Take this away. What's that old song? In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful. Not in your time, in his time, in his time. We missed that. We looked at the first Sunday of the year to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not into our own understanding. Hey, if we're, how should we respond to the truths that we're reading about in this passage? We need to respond by first humbling ourselves before God. And then we need to realize that we need to trust his timing. Do you know that's what Paul did? Remember how the scripture tells us that he sought the Lord three times to take away his infirmity? And you know God didn't answer him the first two times? Where's God? He's there. And I do see the fact, though, that when God did respond to him, he quit begging God about it when he got a response. But why didn't God answer him the first time? I don't know. Why didn't God answer him the second time? I'm not God, and I'm not going to try and figure out why God does what he does. It's not, I don't know. Say, why did God allow Job to go through what he did? I don't have a full answer. I can read the whole book there and see how God worked it all out, but Job didn't have the whole book of Job before him as he's going through it. Job had to get the sorry advice of his friends. And then remember how, uh, how God comes to him and says, where were you when I created everything? Whew. He really put him in his place towards the end of that there. And then Job's like, oh, there are some things that I don't understand. Some things too wonderful for me to obtain to. Who can give God count? And there's so much that he says there. But the problem is, as we go through life and we go through the struggles of life, we need to humble ourselves and trust God and his timing. We see, number one, humble ourselves, trust God and his timing. God knows these things. We think about, and this is the problem, when we don't trust God and his timing, we're not humble. Because we're saying, God, we know best. What does the Bible talk about with pride? Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. What did Jesus say about it? In, um, is it Luke? Yeah, Luke 14, 11. For whosoever exalteth himself, lift up him shall be abased. He's going to be brought down. And he that humbleth himself 
shall be exalted. And I've heard some people, well, I'm going to humble myself so I can be exalted. We miss it. We just don't, we just don't get it. I'm so grateful to the Lord. I, one of my favorite verses in the Bible comes in Psalm. It's one of the Psalms. He knoweth our frame. He remembers that we're dust. I think God looks at Brian and he's like, uh, I know you're not perfect. I know you're, I know you're who you are. And he loves me anyways. I'm grateful for that. The Bible tells us in Matthew 18, is it Matthew 18, 4, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's great. I'll humble myself so I can be great in God's kingdom. It's not how it works. As we look here this morning, how do we respond to what we've learned? It begins by humbling ourselves before the Lord. And then number two, it's trusting in God and his timing, which leads to number three, give your burdens to the Lord. Look at the beginning of verse number seven. Casting your care. Now, how many of your cares? All your care upon him. I love how the word cast is used here. Let's think about Peter for a minute, okay? Peter's a fisherman, right? So he knew how to cast out the net, right? He knew you throw it out to let go of something. Remember how Jesus came to him and he said, hey, catch any fish? Oh, no. Why don't you go back out? What did Peter do? He went back out and he cast the net. So as we look here and we think about this, we got to give our burdens to the Lord. The word casting there, it was used of casting a garment or like literally to fling or to throw something. Hey, Christian, this morning, you got to understand, casting our care upon God means that we trust the promise that he cares for us. God has the power today. He has the wisdom. He has the opportunity. He has the ability to use the cares, the struggles, the trials, the temptations of life for our good and for his glory. When you think about this this morning, casting literally means to fling or to throw something. Are you distressed this morning? Cast that distress upon God. Are you discouraged this morning? Cast your discouragement upon the Lord. Are you in despair today? Take that desperation and give it to the Lord. Are you hurting? Give that pain to the Lord this morning. Are you fearful? Take that fear and cast it to the Lord. Psalm 55, 22 tells us, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He will get you through. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. If you're to look real close, cast your cares upon, casting all your cares upon him, that word casting and the verb usage there, it literally means like a one-time thing. Give it to the Lord. Whatever you're facing today, once and for all, throw that burden to the Lord. When the worries of life have you pressed down and you can't bear them, what a friend you have in Jesus. All your sins and all your griefs to bear. And what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Take your worries. Take your fears. Take your anxieties. Take everything and give them to God. Why? Why should I give them to God? Number four, you need to remember the love of God. 
Why should I give him all my cares? Why should I cast them to him? Because he cares about you. He cares about you more than anybody could ever care about you. There's a song. Actually, I think, Carla, you did it for a special. No one ever loved me like you love me, Jesus. I think that's the words of it. No one's ever loved you like he does. Why should I take my cares and give them to the Lord? Because he cares. He cares. He cared so much for you before you were ever thought of by your parents or brought into this world. He sent his son to die for you. He cares about you. He loves you today. And sometimes you look at life, and sometimes I think people look at God like he looks down and he laughs when you're going through a hard time. (laughs) They, They fell down. They fell right on their face. What a loser. God doesn't do that. But that's how we look at God sometimes. We look at God like he laughs when I stumble and when I'm hurting. No, he doesn't. Just as a loving parent here, when they see their child struggling, or they see they care about them, they want to help them. And the God of heaven looks down at you, and he sees you in your struggle. He knows where you're at, and he cares about you right where you are today. He wants you to make it. He loves you. He is for you. He's not against you this morning. Casting all your care upon him because he cares about you. I love what Matthew 6, verse 25 and 26 says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Um, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not so much better than they? The Lord knows when a sparrow hits the ground. How does that song go? His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. He cares about you today. Say, Pastor, I've been going through this for a while now. He cares. And he wants you to take your burdens and give him your burdens and let him take those and have them for you in your life. He cares today. Many of us are struggling through life because we have these burdens and we don't give them to the Lord. Or you could be like me. I've gotten a lot better at taking my burdens to God. I really have. You know, I, I, I and this, I talk about being humble, I know. I know, I know. But just let's hear me out here. It's gotten a lot better where, and you say, you've been a pastor for 12 years? Yeah, I know. I would say first few years of pastoring and things, my first thought when I'm going through something or someone's going through something, I did not always pray first thing. I know, terrible guy. I know, I know. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. I literally, though, I literally almost every time something happens now, I take it to God to begin with. I really believe I've gotten a good fix on taking it to God. Now my big problem is, I don't leave it there. I take it to him and I cast it to him, but then I go back in the water and grab it and take it back with me. Or I think, no, I got it this time. I'm going to cast it out. Lord, you got bigger fish to fry. I'll, I'll take care of this. And I bring it back. That's my big issue now. And if you know how to fix that one, Talk to me. Come, come have a counseling session with me. I'll buy your lunch or something. You can help me figure that one out for myself. But God cares about you today. 
I mentioned last Sunday night, we, on Sunday nights we sing through the songbook, and last Sunday night we sang my mom's favorite hymn. And uh, last Sunday night I called her. Now there are days with my mom, with her health now, that she doesn't know who I am. Now, it's amazing. The grandkids go down? This, this, this was like two weeks ago. She didn't know who I was. But then the kids come in the room. William comes. Hi, William. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, David, my redhead. And hi, Matthew, my baby. I'm really your baby, okay? And if it wasn't for me being your son, you wouldn't have these grandkids. But you can't remember. And she always remembers Caroline's name, too. Not mine. And sometimes I think she does that just to tease with me. And she could. She would. I don't doubt it with her. But there are days, and you know, and so what, sometimes she's like, and who are you? And I say, your favorite son. Oh, you're Brian. Yep, yep, you got it. I have trained her well. She, that's the response when that happens. But on Sunday night, I called her, because I pray with them in the evenings. And I said, guess what? Tonight at church, we sang your favorite song. And then she sang the entire first verse of the song. The entire thing. She can't remember my name, but she remembers that song. And I remember as a, I was probably around 10, 11 years old, my aunt was dying of cancer, and my grandpa, her dad, was very sick. And she did her best. She went all the we We would go with her, and we would help take care of her dad and help him with so many things. And we would get in the car, and she had this, it was a tape, it was a tape, and the tape would be in there, and that was the hard thing, because the tape, whoever came up with, and CDs were wonderful, because you could just repeat it, now the MP3s, you can just play one song, and not have to have the whole CD, because really, if someone puts out a full CD, not every song is good, and you don't need, you know, I like that I can pick and choose, but she would literally put the tape in, and the song, Does Jesus Care, would play. And in the car on the way home, the song goes, and it's in your song with there, but it goes, Does Jesus care when my heart is pained to deeply form earth and song as the burdens press and the cares distress? And I think I just messed up on the words a little. Does he care enough to be near? And the chorus goes, Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart, it's touched with my grief. When the days are weary... The long night's dreary, I know my Savior cares. She probably burned through three or four tapes because they wear out over time, repeating that song over and over again. And then when her dad passed away, played that same song, but it was more the last verse. Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart breaks till it nearly breaks. Is it aught to him does he see? And of course, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart, it's touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. In the midst of the hardest days of your life, the devil wants you to forget that God cares about you. But just because your circumstances aren't what you think they should be doesn't mean that your God doesn't care because he cares about you. And he loves you right where you are today. 
And how can we respond to the truths that we've heard in this passage? Well, we need to humble ourselves before the Lord. Trust his timing. Take all of our cares and cast them on him. And then remember the fact that he loves us. Because when we're going through it, that's one of the first things that pops. Does he really love me to let me be going through this? And he does. He loves you more than anybody could ever love you. And maybe this morning, your problem isn't casting. I don't feel that's my problem anymore. My problem is taking back. If I truly trust him and what he's doing, I can take it to him and then leave it there. There's another song in our songbook, and if you've got a songbook by you, I just want you to open it up. I want you to see the words to this song. I think it is, it's 2-0-something. We'll get, it's Leave It There is the name of the song. 205? Yeah, 205. Look at what the song says. I'm just going to read through the lines here, and then we'll be done this morning. This part of the message would be for someone who's like me where you can cast it, but then you pick it back up. The song says, If the world from you withhold of its silver and its gold, and you have to get along with meager fare, just remember in his word how he feeds the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, he'll surely bring you out. And I don't know if I agree with that line of theology there. Because I don't think I have to trust and never doubt and he's going to get me through. Even when I doubt, he will still get me through. So some of the songs we sing, the theology might not be 100% right, but it's a good song here. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Look at verse 2. If your body suffers pain and your health you can't regain, and your soul is almost sinking in despair, Jesus knows the pain you feel. He can save and he can heal. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. When your enemies assail and your heart begins to fail, don't forget that God in heaven answers prayer. He will make a way for you and will lead you safely through. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. When your youthful days are gone and old age is stealing on and your body bends beneath the weight of care, He will never leave you then. He'll go with you to the end. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and even if you doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If we truly humble ourselves and trust God in his timing, We will cast our cares and all of our worries on him, and we will leave it there. The problem is, it doesn't stay that way. We get thinking, I'll I'll worry about this one, God. That's what we tell God. God, you got enough on your plate. I'll take care of this one. God's big enough to take care of all of it. Leave it there. What can we learn, part number one, from what we've studied so far? We need to humble ourselves before God. We need to trust in God's timing. We need to take all of our anxieties, fears, cares, all of them, and cast them to Jesus. 
because he loves you and he cares about you. Father, I thank you.